Well, we welcome all of our Saints family to rainy Dallas. We, uh, we've enjoyed the bounty of the Lord uh, as the skies have opened. And um, I'm really always grateful for that. Some people don't like the rain, but I, I do. It's a whole lot better than every day in the summer people telling you on the television that we're in drought and, you know, don't water your lawn, don't wash your car. So it's great to have this rain, and God really did turn that for us. So um, you know, I remember the first time we, we as a congregation really took a stand during one of those summer heat waves and you know anytime you expect it to be hot in texas and so i didn't i didn't ever think well we're gonna break this but one time it was really dry and it was really hot and i i remember the lord put it on my heart to come in on a sunday and say we need to stand with the lord and have this thing broken and so the congregation prayed we made declaration and the next day we had a downpour and there wasn't any rain that was forecast so it wasn't like i heard um i'm trying to remember some of the old weather forecasters who's that old guy that was on channel five i can't uh, harold harold taft yeah thank you scott you win the prize and then david frinfrock Frin finfrock who took over for him <clears throat> you know he didn't say we're going to get a gully washer tomorrow oh quick let's go in and make a declaration um but god brought rain and the temperature went down i think the highs the high temperature that week was 82 and we'd been up 103 104 and i thought thank you lord and that was really a beginning i remember a time when we were in nigeria paul and i were there i've told this story but it, it's the testimony to the lord and we were teaching the folks about intercession and voices thunders lightnings earthquakes and they had been in a horrible drought i mean you you went out in lagos and it was just the dust in the air and people were just hot and i the only channel that we got we got three channels in our hotel room we were sharing a hotel room when we first went there we were staying in the honeymoon hotel but we moved off to this flyaway hotel which was just a step up from the honeymoon hotel we had three channels on our TV. One was the BBC, and two other were tribal networks where the kings were telling the people what to do. And it was really interesting to watch that, but I spent most of my time watching the BBC. And uh, they were saying how terrible the drought was, and, you know, there wasn't any hope for water or anything. So we, we talked and said, okay, let's have the people here at this church pray that God's going to bring water, bring rain. And so I preached that night on voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. And when I had finished the section on thunder, as soon as I finished and was ready to go to lightning, this huge boom. And then the lightning was flashing. And then I, you had the attention of the people then, you know. And so I thought, okay, Lord, you, you were doing this because it was not supposed to happen this way, according to what the weather forecasters were saying. And so I started really going with the wind of the Spirit and said, as opposed to what I'd been doing, and I said, okay, we're going to believe God that 
soon God's going to open up the skies and we're going to have a break of this drought and the rain's going to come. The thunder is here. The lightning's here. God hears your prayers. You know, you know the way it goes. And all of a sudden it started raining and it was like Noah's flood kind of rain. And when we were driving back from the, the sanctuary, you know, because there weren't any real walls, it was just open air. The uh, sanctuary started flooding a little bit and, you know, we really had a good service that night. So we're driving back, and on the freeway there, um, we <laughs> it was so much rain. This driver, this kid, I think he just got his license about two weeks before, if he had one. And we were going down this hill, and we hit probably a foot of water. And he lost the car. It was hydroplane. He'd been going about 70 miles an hour. And we, he screamed, oh! <laughs> and Paul and I were in the back seat. And, and it was the funniest thing because the car just kind of floated along until finally it hit the ground again. And off we went. Oh, my goodness. That was so great. And, uh, and I told the kid, I said, see what God did. He brought the rain and all this rain kept the police from stopping us and trying to get us to give them money. This is great. You know that Nigerian tax. I know you know the way those Nigerians are. Oh, Really? Oh, well, but you do it with a smile on your face. So anyway, um, it's been raining here today, and we're grateful. Uh, we have a, an interesting teaching to bring tonight, and uh, I was telling our congregation here uh, during the filibuster that uh, I was intending to teach this during seminar, but I felt led to do this tonight. And... Uh, we uh, we are we're going to be sharing a lot in a couple of weeks on the wisdom of God, how the Spirit of Wisdom partners with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about what wisdom does, and uh, a lot of other different topics. But um, one of the things about wisdom is that the wisdom of God on earth aligns itself with His wisdom in heaven, and the Lord talked a lot about the place in heaven uh, where wisdom and understanding are hid and they it calls it the thesaurus now we shared about this a few weeks ago and we talked about how in ancient Greece the thesaurus was a place that was constructed to receive the tethemes of the nations and participants that were coming to uh, engage themselves in the early Olympic Games. And so they built this place that was kind of like a storehouse, and these nations would bring the treasures of their particular groups of people and would bring them for a couple of reasons. One was to support the, the cost of those games. But the other one was to show off to let all the other nations know, you know, how good you were as an artisan, and you know, you had silver and you had pearls and you had different things and you could make them, and so they'd bring these things that characteristic of their country, characteristics of their people group that they were famous for, and they would bring them and give them into this thesaurus. Now, how they, how they marketed that for income sake, I don't know whether they sold those or what they did to 
buy the, the golden medals and the other medals that they gave and the other things that were part of any kind of gathering like that. There were expenses for the Greeks. And, um, but that's what the thesaurus was, and that's really how Tetheme gained its claim to fame. So the Tetheme represented things that were endemic to a people group, usually a skill set or something that was an investment for that area. And, um, and we still do that today, you know. You go over to um, Switzerland, and one of the things you want to get is, is candy. Um, and the Swiss are good at, at making candy. Uh, Lint is the best. Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, other parts of the world have uh, an efficacy with certain things that are part of their culture, part of their land, and they learn how to develop it. So we understand that's there. But the Greeks called that a tetheme, and they would sew it into this place called the thesauros. Now, you roll into the New Testament, and the Olympics were still going on then. They didn't, they weren't suspended until like, I think it was like 332 AD when a, one of the popes said that it was evil, and so they stopped it. But, um, and of course, the pope had the backing of the Roman government. It was kind of like the state religion, so if, the pope, if Papa said, don't do it, and if they did it, the Romans would come in with some crucifixion stuff, you know, and so they, they stopped. But during Jesus' time, those Olympics were still being held, and so any of the writers of the New Testament, anyone using the Greek language, knew exactly what the Soros was. They knew exactly what the Theme was. They didn't have to go and check with somebody who was going to scan to find out if the word was really true. This was something that everybody knew. This is what it meant. And so when you see the discussions about the Soros, everyone had the mindset. This is where you sow the Tetheme. This is where you bring the treasures. And this is where, um, you know, these people groups who have different skills, who have different abilities, who have different wealth, that's described as a Tetheme, and it's sown into that. So whenever you see in the, in the New Testament to Theme, it's with that mindset because it was still functioning in that way. And when you see the thesaurus, just about everybody knew this is where the Theme goes and it's like a storehouse. So I think that's interesting. Now, where would the Greeks get this idea? Well, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out you've got to have a bank or, you know, you've got to have some place where people can put their money. You know, they can hide it in their house or they can guard it on their own. But... You know, lots of cultures had this idea. And even the, the, the Jewish people had, it wasn't originally this way, but somewhere along the line, and I've tried to study this, and nobody can really say exactly when the storehouse was added to the temple complex. But that's what happened. So the storehouse for the temple was a place where people who brought their taxes or brought their tithes or brought their offerings they would be stored in there and so it was kind of the same concept and there is a lot of archaeological evidence that reveals that's been discovered in the past 40 years or so that some of the tribes of Israel probably Dan had a great impact in the Greek islands 
and they've, they've discovered different things that were undeniably Hebrew, um, different depictions that were very similar to what depictions of things that had happened in Old Testament settings um, and either carvings or imprints and they found these around the Greek islands. So I'm not saying that the thesaurus came from a storehouse. It could have just been something that, that, uh, that the Greeks came up with. But if you had all these nations doing this same thing, you would think somewhere they got it in their head that it would be a good thing to bring a tithe or an offering or a tetheme and sew it into this place. So whether whether the, the Hebrews contributed directly to the idea of the thesaurus or not, I don't know. But the principle of it is exact. So, and what we're going to look at regarding the New Testament, uh, you would have to really be opposed to any kind of deeper study in the Word or opposed to the anointing of the Scripture to not say that when the writers of the New Testament were using these words since it was still a functional definition within all of the Greek society. They had to know what they were saying when, when the Spirit influenced them to use these words. They had to know it. So, uh, what we're going to look at tonight is a, a, a cross-section, a, a chart that compares what Malachi said in Malachi 3 last book in the Old Testament regarding the storehouse and the tithe with things that are readily listed in the New Testament regarding the, 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 the thesaurus. The thesaurus is hard to say that. The thesaurus. Almost break into divers' tongues when you do it. <laughs> the thesaurus and the tetheme. And then we're going to look at the different ways that the scripture talk about the sprinkling of the blood of the testament. And the reason we're going to look at that is that um, in the Bible, when you talk about the, the communion, the, you have the bread, you have the allusion to the bitter sop, and you have the wine or the blood. And the body is never said to have anything to do with the covenant or the testament. It's not, you look it up, it's, it, the body of Christ is not, is not said to be what brought the testament or the covenant. It's always the blood that brought the covenant. It's always the blood of Jesus that brought that testament. And the word that is testament or covenant in the New Testament is diatheke, which is from the theke, and theke, diatheke comes from tetheme. So uh, it's interesting that when you have the blood of the Kainos Testament, you're really saying the blood of what God is doing new and fresh, which is where the tetheme is stored. Now theke is used for sheath of the sword. We've talked about that before. When uh, Jesus told Peter to put his sword to sheath his sword, um, it, it, the theke is where you keep your weapon or where you keep 
something that would be uh, utilized by you on a regular occasion. You know, like there were theke in in ancient Greece could could have been used not just for swords, but it could have been used for a number of weapons, and it could have been used for the favorite tool of somebody that was a tradesman. You know, like if you were a carpenter, you know, on the tool belt, you know, the theke would hold either your rudimentary hammer or a knife or some kind of a chiseling tool. Uh, whatever it is that you were skilled at that you were going to readily rely upon, you kept it there, which again speaks about the thethemi. And again, it says that whatever God has given you, whatever God has thethemied into you, whatever he's appointed or anointed you to do, that's thethemi. Um, whatever you're ordained to do, that's tetheme in the New Testament. You need to begin to treasure that and develop that and rely upon that because God gave it to you for a reason. And, and I would say that the blood of the Testament is what, when Jesus gave his blood uh, at Calvary, um, that one of the benefits of that that we've not really focused on enough is that it purchased the right for these tethemes of God to be sown into the church and into you. You know, as soon as Jesus ascended into heaven, the Bible says that the Father tethemed into the church the fivefold offices. He tethemed it in right after that. So that was one of the testament or the covenant or the diatheke that the blood purchased. Now, why wouldn't it be the body? Why wouldn't it be the body? Because that, well, that really doesn't make sense because we are the body of Christ, right? You look at the person beside you. You are the body of Christ. That's what the scripture says. So to say that the tetheme that God was sowing into the body in general and in individual is... Um, uh, the tetheme sown into that, somehow that body uh, did something to gain that. It just doesn't make sense. But the blood pays for that. The blood which is active, the blood that is powerful, the blood that, is, that redeemed us to God, cleansed us from our sins, and now becomes a blood of sprinkling upon, you know, we're going to look at this, but upon the, well, I won't go there because we're going to look at it here in a minute. Um, so it makes sense that the blood would purchase God's right and, and the legal right to sow the tethemes into us. The people in the Old Testament, uh, obviously it would have been called something different in the Old Testament, but the people didn't have that. People had callings. You know, David had the Salah. Solomon had the Salah. Saul had the Salah, which was... You know, you, you can take a word from God and you carry it through to fulfillment. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, there were callings that God, you know, God gave a seer or a prophet. But those were rare. Those were individual and they were rare. Um, the people really didn't, the people en masse didn't really have that and really they didn't want it. You know, think back to what they said to Moses. No, 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 we don't want to go up there. You know, you just tell us. And, you know, if you're shining too much, put a veil over your face. And, in fact, one of the usages of Tetheme was Moses when he made the veil over his face in the New Testament. The writer of the Hebrews speaks about that. Why would that be? Why would that be? 
well, you know, you can figure this out for yourself as you meditate, but you have a responsibility to guard over what God gives you. Moses was appointed by God to commune with God, to be his friend, to, um, to walk with him in his ways and to lead those people into, out of Egypt and into the land of promise. And Moses took that very seriously. And if the people were rejecting that, if the people were uncomfortable with that or doing disservice to it, Moses had a responsibility to tetheme that manifestation that God was giving. It's kind of like the pearls before swine. In some ways, we've all done that. We've all had to do that. Whether you plan to do it or not, there's some stirring of the Spirit in your heart when you're around people, whether it's family or whoever, and you've, you, you know... You would like to say something, but you know that they would not receive it. You know that they would probably ridicule it. They would call you a kook. And what do you do? You tethemi that veil right over it, don't you? Because you don't want to cast your pearls before swine. You know, sometimes, and I don't know if my brothers are listening to this or not, but sometimes when I'm talking to my brothers, I have to walk the general church pathway. And I know how to talk that lingo, you know. Uh, you do too, I think. But there are some things that God's shown us, and even in the Word, and I'm thinking, I'm not talking to you guys about that because I don't want an older brother lecture. I don't want you to reveal your lack of knowledge by trying to reprove me for something I know good and darn well is in the Word. So I put the tetheme over my face, and I don't talk about that. I say generic things. I still say good things, but you've done the same thing. I know you do. And so Moses did that as part of the guarding over of his tethemi. There's a lot of this, and, you know, I'm not selling books, <laughs> but you'll see it in that thesaurus book. It's really, in, or you can look it up for yourself. Now that you know where it is, you can find it. So, um, but anyway, the blood of Jesus bought that testament. <laughs> That's an amazing thing, the diatheke. He, he, he purchased that. So that for each of us, we could receive those individual giftings as sons and as a church and uh, as ministers functioning in the ways of God. He, he, he opened up that panoply of opportunity from God. And it was the blood that did that. And it's the blood that still activates that and stirs that. And we need to be, we need to really recognize it and Go before God and say, Father, in this new season, if there are dimensions of what you've sown into me in the tethemi that you've put into my life, and we all have them, they're all different, but we all have them. Nobody is tethemi-less in this place. God gives to all people. And we may not, if our pride or our soul gets involved, we may not like ours in comparison to somebody else's, but it's from God. And um, you should be asking God to help you to, um, to utilize that tetheme and to um, uh, ask for the sprinkling of the blood which bought this for you. That blood bought this for you. And ask for that blood to affirm itself and its power upon those areas of your life and be willing to serve. Um, so now we'll get into this. And our first part of Malachi 3 
is, will a man rob God? Let's read it. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And subsequently then, you're cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He will not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Will a man rob God? God is not interested in your money. He's not. What would he do with it? I mean, he doesn't need Benjamins. He doesn't need gold. I mean, he doesn't need that. And, um, but again, the principle of finance was where he was addressing these old covenant people. But for me, if you rob God in tithe and offering, in the Old Testament, you're really robbing him of the opportunity of partnering with him. You're robbing him of the opportunity of you obeying and then seeing his blessing. That's where the robbing went in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, if you are not functioning in the tetheme that he sowed into your life, that the testator, Jesus, that's what it's called. He's the, he was the operator of the diatheke, that the testator put into your life, you are robbing God. He invested into you, and if you're not doing anything with it, or if you're using it for a purpose other than what God wanted, you're robbing him. It's a crime. It is a crime. Remember what happened to the dude that, that was given the, 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 the talent, and he had one talent, and he hid it in the backyard um, when, the, when the Lord came? The guy said, here, here, I got it. You know, I wrapped it up. Here you go. And was, was, uh, was the Lord in that parable happy with that guy? No. Now, he didn't say you robbed me, but he certainly robbed the, the Lord of the development of those funds or the investment. He said, at least you could have given it to exchangers and gained interest. Maybe not in this economy, but you could have gained interest. So... I believe that if, if somebody is not using the tetheme that God gives them, he's not going to be cruel to you. But if, if people just aren't using what God put in their life to use, or if they're just thumbing their nose at God and using those capacities for other things. Now, we all use our giftings in, in different dimensions in the world. We do, you know. We do, we do. I mean, there's no way you can separate who you are and what your skill sets are from the things in the world. But if you are only using it for that and not for God, you are robbing God. And because of that, then, you're more in the curse of the world than you are in the blessing. So uh, that's, that's an interesting thing. And that's there. And I think we, we need to note that and see that it's there. So let's look. Malachi, column left, center, the Soros to Theme, and right, sprinkling of the blood of testament, or the blood of covenant, or the uh, diatheke. And I think this is really interesting. I had fun with it. And I do think that it, it wasn't some crazy thing I 
it's not it's not uh, uh, well, I won't say that. so Malachi talks about the storehouse which aligns with the thesauros and with the sprinkling of the blood remember that first of all Jesus said a number of times that this thesaurus is in heaven and what you do here you are sowing into that it's wisdom and revelation wisdom and understanding and those cryptos things are hid there and God reveals them we've seen that over and over again in intercession but in Hebrews 12 24 you can look it up it speaks about how we go into heaven uh, not not the earthly Zion but we go to our Mount Zion in the spirit realm and what we see there is a lot of things, but two that are back-to-back, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkling of the blood. There they are, side by side. So that's where we're sowing into, the heavenly, the heavenly place, and the sprinkling of the blood is done there. And the Bible clearly says that meat in my house now we know that meat is in the in the scripture is a deeper thing from god it's not milk it's not junk food meat is something that is deep in the lord you know you ought to be skilled so that you can have strong meat because it belongs to those that are of a full age who are mature who have been around around the corner with the lord a few times and so meat is there. We understand that. This would align to the wisdom and understanding that's part of the thesauros in heaven and is how you walk with God to accomplish things that have not been done before. How you bring light into the darkness, the light that God forms, taking it into the darkness. It is a kingly capacity, which is why God was so thrilled with Solomon when Solomon asked for that. And so... That is a representation of meat. And I would think that the new covenant in his blood, the diatheke, would represent that individual storehouse where we pull out what God has bought for us and the tothemes that we, we use for him in the kingdom. I will open the windows of heaven. Well, the thesauros is the treasures in heaven. And the sprinkling of the blood, uh, you, you sprinkle those patterns in heaven and the touch point of the ongoing of uh, wisdom, the tabernacle on earth. Hebrews 9, 20 through 23. You know, again, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, yeah, it says about the patterns in heaven being sprinkled and the tabernacle. And, and all the things that were there are sprinkled with blood and so we've done that we've told people you know you go into your church you declare the sprinkling of the blood on your church you declare it on your grounds you declare it on the pulpit and the mics and the instruments so um, you are really welcoming what God wants to do in heaven to earth which is opening the windows of heaven what about pouring out a blessing um, well, the, 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 the themes are giftings, their identities, their fivefold offices, and a myriad number of other things that are listed as to theme gifts from God. Um, 
what we need to do with the sprinkling of the blood is we need to be able to perceive them clearly uh, and to purge ourselves of an evil conscience that is cantankerous that doesn't want to do what God wants to do. You know, there's a war in your mind, Paul said, uh, that stands against, often, what the Spirit wants to do. Sometimes, um, sometimes you have these thoughts that come and they're against what God wants to do and you take them, you take those thoughts captive and you present them to Christ, the, the anointed son, you, you do that. So there's the sprinkling so that you're able to perceive this blessing. And you know, I would think that if God says he's blessing and there's blessing all around, that the only thing that could be keeping you from walking in that blessing is not seeing it. And, and or, or having something in your life that says, no, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, that's not for me. So you need the sprinkling on that evil conscience to say, you know, straighten me out. And then you have to bring those things into obedience. Let your heart be without doubt. Bring your, your mind and bring your, the spirit that God put in you, that deposit. And you bring your emotions. You bring all that into line. But... You know, if, if your conscience, your predilection doesn't want to do it, it doesn't matter. You can be blessing all around. You could be like Jacob. Surely the Lord was in this place. Stop calling me Shirley. And, and I knew it not. You know, you want to, you know, you don't want to, the God of this world to blind your eyes, to occlude them so that you don't see the glorious gospel. And my, oh, my, isn't the God of this world working overtime to create the narrative for us? Um, so the sprinkling of the blood helps that and that's the to me that's the main barrier to blessing you know it just is uh, I like this next one I like all of them see if I will rebuke the devourer so that your fruit not be destroyed well remember when we talked about how the tetheme um, the, the footstool till I make till I tetheme your enemies your foot, the footstool. Um, in, you know, in ancient cultures, they found some of these. You could go to the Louvre and see them, but the French have closed the Louvre right now because of the coronavirus. I don't think they're even kissing on the cheek anymore. We'll have to find out when Luke and Sylvie come. <clears throat> but, um, you know, they would, they would carve on the footstool of the throne the different kingdoms that had been defeated by that ruler. And so the tetheme of the footstool is, and the enemies are made that. So the devourer that would come, uh, he can't do it because the footstool of the, of the tetheme has said otherwise. And you go on over, um, the, the, the initial use of the blood basically uh, was Passover. And the striking of the hyssop, which then, you know, anytime hyssop was used in scripture, like David purge me with hyssop it's kind of like the end of a broom with long thistles and whatever you hit with that is going to create a sprinkled pattern it just is David didn't want to be beaten he wanted to be purged with hyssop and he wanted those areas in his life that were out of whack search me O God know my ways he wanted them to be addressed so when the 
Passover doorpost lintel was struck, it also brought the splatter, but it destroyed, it saved them from the, the, the death angel. It saved them from the destroyer. And so you have both salvation and sprinkling communicated in that. But, you know, the footstool has uh, of the tetheme gives you victory, and the, the devourer is rebuked when you're participating in the tithe and offering of God. What about the timely vine and fruit? You know, it's not going to cast them forth prematurely. Well, you know, one of the dimensions of both the thesaurus and the tetheme was that, you know, you, in, you find a field and you do everything you can to buy that because that thesaurus is there. That, and then the tetheme properties are there. And, and it's, it's a cool thing. So, you know, you, you know that that field is going to produce. Now, how do you link that up with the sprinkling of the blood? Well, one of the things about the sprinkling of the blood in Leviticus 8, 23, and 24, and 30 is that um, the priestly representatives need to have the sprinkling, the blood on the, their, their garments, of course, but the right ear, which would speak about being prophetic, hearing God prophetically, the right thumb, which means that you, you affirm that you are going to wait on God. You're going to pursue him, but the prophetic of the right, then you have to wait for the timing of the God before the fulfillment comes. And the right great, great toe is uh, if you're going to take a step, it better be prophetic, and you don't want to get out of line. So when you're talking about a vine casting forth its fruit before its time, that's all about timing. And if you're talking about that, that ground uh, being sanctified and dedicated to produce a harvest, well, that's wisdom. And you wait on wisdom. You don't just barge through. Wisdom is not you just getting a good idea. Okay, you know, I'm going to do the right thing at the wrong time. That's not what wisdom does. You know, I was hearing an interview with Michael Irvin. I remember him, number 88. And uh, he was talking with uh, Joe Buck about some of the things that happened during the times he played for the Cowboys. And if you're not a sports fan, I'm just, it's, there's a funny line I'm going with here. Now, one of the things those pure Cowboys did during the time of uh, Barry Switzer was they decided that they wanted to buy a house that was called the White House near the field where they practiced up in the north area of Dallas. And all kinds of bad stuff happened there. And somehow it got out to the media, and a lot of it was criminal, and so police were investigating. So Jerry Jones called him in to ask him about this. And, and he said, now, I want you to shoot straight with me now, because if you, if you tell me the truth, and I'll stand behind you guys. So Michael Irvin said, well, boss, we were trying to do the wrong thing in the right way. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. It's bad, but it was really funny. And, uh, and I think Jerry Jones understood that language, because he's probably done that many times himself. But wisdom doesn't operate that way. You know, wisdom has to be in the timing of God. It has to be in the process of God. It, it partners with him to do miracles, and God's all about the suddenly and leading. So if you don't want your fruit to be cast forth too early, you make sure that your right ear, your right thumb, and your right toe are sprinkled by the blood and empowered by the blood so that you move effectively in that calling that you have. And the altar itself in that same passage was also sprinkled with blood. 
So I think that that aligns wonderfully. Now, what about all nations calling you blessed? Well, I think that um, the thesaurus, where that lines up, is when Jesus talked about being a scribe of the kingdom of heaven. Remember that? And you, you out of the thesaurus, you bring forth things that are paleos, which is antique and which is things that are treasured from antiquity, uh, which is what they store in palaces where this same word comes from, or, or where, which is this same word is the originator of that. Um, the, the treasures, you know, if you went to the Tower of London and you see all the things that, uh, a lot of the things that were the crown jewels and all those things, those would be char characterized as paleos. Those are things that are, that are really not only wealth, but a treasured item. And Jesus said that somebody that is a scribe of the kingdom of heaven out of the thesaurus, they bring that and they bring kinos. They bring something that is fresh and new. So for us as scribes of the kingdom of heaven who are operating on behalf of the wisdom of God in heaven, we are continually drawing. That's why we said Make sure you know what God has taught you. Don't be like somebody with short-term memory who, you know, oh, I don't remember that. You know, oh, ask pastor or ask somebody else. Uh, you know, I don't know about that. Well, those are treasures that God gives us. Those are meat of his word. It's not just some goofy assignment like I used to study in high school where I do just enough to get an A and then I can't remember any of it now. Yeah, you, you do... Uh, you, you embrace that because as a scribe, you've got to know that bedrock, that foundational thing, the where you can really borrow from what Ezekiel said, a line upon line type of a, pro or, or, uh, or Isaiah, line upon line kind of a progression where you can tell somebody, you can readily give an answer. One of the things about his uh, Tetheme, where there are two derivatives of Tetheme, one is Anatetheme, one of them is Ectetheme. And, you know, when uh, Paul, the apostle, w spent that time in Arabia, when he came back, God commanded him to go to Jerusalem and tell those guys what God had taught him. And the Bible says that he anathemed to them. He told them what God had tethemed in his life. That was what was used. God said uh, that... Uh, you did that a couple times with Paul. When uh, Anna, uh, Aquila and Priscilla first heard Apollos teach, they heard him and they said, man, this guy's got an anointing. He's really smart. He's a teacher, but he sure doesn't know what he's talking about regarding the deeper things of the spirit. I'm paraphrasing this. So they called Apollos off to the side and they ectothemade to him concerning the deeper things that Paul had taught them and that obviously some of the other apostles had been teaching. And from that point, Apollos was on the train of being able to water and to go into the deeper things of the Lord. But Aquila and Priscilla, just elders in a church, they were able to take this skilled guy and go point by point. This is what God has sown into the church. And the word used was ectotheme. That's very, very interesting. And the Lord said, you know, if you're ever called before magistrates or called before district officials or you're called before, that's a joke, called before people that are trying to 
get after you for your faith, don't worry about what you're going to say beforehand. The Spirit's going to lead you. But there it uses this derivative of tetheme and says, you tell them what God has shown you. You tell them who you are. If you have to give an answer, you base it on that. And the Spirit will guide you as to how to do it. You know, it's the old statement that Bill Specken said, which we still hold on to, is, you know, you can't argue with somebody's experience. And when you combine the divestment of God into your life with the experience of how God has taught you and how God has used that, that's, people may not agree with it, but what are they going to do? I mean, you're living it. You, you, you cannot be disobedient to that heavenly vision and, and the visitation. So um, if you're a scribe of the thesauros, people are going to soon know, and it's happening more and more. It's not, again, it's because of what you've sown into. People from around the world who are hungry for this are coming, and they want what God has given you. And you, as a scribe of the, uh, the kingdom of heaven, you can draw from the thesaurus both things paleos and things kainos. And you can give them understanding of things that they will be hungry for. And it's kind of like what, kind of like, what the people said when they heard Jesus teach. And they said, hey, this guy is using the same scrolls that the Pharisees use. However, he's speaking them in power. He's speaking them as if he knows what they mean, and he's really making sense. So that same thing is happening with you. And you're going to see that more and more, like a couple of weeks from now, and through our network. People, are, people want the meat and the del delicacies that God has given to us as a pneumatikos house and as to the, the pneumatikos houses that are part of the saints network. That's what they want. And um, so all nations calling you blessed, we're seeing that. And, and we're going to continue to see it in other ways. So what, how does the sprinkling of the blood fit here? Well, let's look at a couple things. The sprinkling of the blood was upon Hebrews 9, uh, the book and the people. Um, and through that, they gained, it says it right there, entelo which if you trace that word we did a study on it one time it's really a divine intelligence and we get our word intelligence from it you know entelo i don't see how that happens well just think a bit intelligence entelo it has to be show me where that is no it's there never mind you lack divine intelligence um, so that comes through that sprinkling and of course then when the patterns in the earth uh, patterns are fulfilled on earth hebrews 9 it's catharizo which is our old friend that speaks about opening up something that's been blocked so if the nations are calling you blessed and you're moving in the thesauros and the tetheme and you have the sprinkling of the blood to where you are understanding the word where you're gaining divine measures of intelligence where you are seeing the the openings of the patterns in heaven begin to manifest on earth seems i heard somewhere we were supposed to pray that our father who is in heaven 
saintly is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if that's happening then they're going to call you blessed amen so you see these parallels and i don't think i tried to wedge too many square pegs into a round hole here but you see the alignment which i think is definitive between what malachi said about the storehouse and the tithe and offerings and the way god is going to stand for you and bring blessing you see the application of thesaurus and thesaurus and tetheme in that and you see the benefits of the blood of the diatheke which is the the storing of the tetheme to where the people can use it that's interesting of all the things that god could call the new testament why in the world would he use this word diatheke why there are words that could have been used as a a binding agreement or some kind of a um, uh, a uh, a legal document or some kind of a a treaty for a nation or some kind of a constitution you know people are always talking about you know that's not in the constitution i'm holding my my pleading the fifth or i want my second amendment rights you know they've got all those things god could have used something like that to describe the testament don't you think so why in the world would he use diatheke why would he do that when everybody in that area who knew the greek language knew what diatheke was knew that it came from tetheme jesus bought these capacities for the church and for you through his blood and so that's that's what it is and i think that's tremendous don't you so anyway this is just kind of a mental gymnastic but i do think that it aligns wonderfully and um, i pray that in some way this very simple alignment will inspire us to believe god for greater greater uh, visitation greater service to him greater um, uh, greater ways that we and ourselves can move before him so you know um, this thesaurus in heaven um, i remember i remember when the first time um the first time I, I can't speak for any of you but the first time i saw this place i was kind of mystified i was uh it was early on in our transition into a diverse intercession group and at that time uh remember the balcony i'm just going down memory lane and in those early days over on the the nation's wall that front row of the balcony paul would lay there between the rail and the uh, uh the pew and i was up there praying in the balcony a lot too and um, i recognized that the throne of god was making itself known to us and i i recognized that you know we were I, even though i didn't really realize it was at the with the father i i didn't i didn't 
that was to come the understanding of us being sons and really knowing the father because at that time we were general church and nobody really talked about the father you know the only thing you talked about the father was you know you wrote a check in jesus name to the father and he would cash it or you didn't want to get crossways with the father he wouldn't let you into heaven or he was watching the clock and he knew when the rapture was going to occur and jesus didn't know and at the time he would lean over to jesus and say bring my people home that's about all we knew about the father to really know the father was not in our bailiwick so that was this was not i was amazed by this so i went down onto the other side of the balcony and i looked down onto the zion wall and there i saw this huge angel standing and now angels can depict themselves in in whatever way they want size wise so it's not like they're midget angels not like little fat baby angels with a bow and arrow and a diaper you know and then these huge angels but sometimes the way god lets you see them will indicate what they're entrusted to do and what they're doing at that point so standing by that post which is immediately in front of the balcony there was this massive angel and his face was just up at the ceiling and for whatever reason this angel looked at me and i out of my spirit i said is it time for the glory of god to be revealed because at that time everybody was talking about the glory you know zion uh, you know, it, uh brownsville was talking about the glory the french still talk about le, le gloire not luke and sylvie but you know a lot of the meetings come over here the glory's here so i said innocently is it time for the glory to really be revealed because you know we were thinking that you know the lighthouse and everything and the ambulances were going to pull up to not take us away because we were crazy you know people were lined up to get in and all those things and the angel looked at me and he said you're going to learn about time i thought okay because i was looking up and so that's all he said but he just stood there and i thought that was really kind of weird so i kept coming back to that place and i would pray and i'd ask god to teach me about timing because i knew that the angel if he said that that was something god wanted show and so um, over the next couple of weeks at, at times I would have vision as I was praying of this place where angels were in and there were scrolls and there were these orbs of light and there were different writings on different types of um, I wouldn't say books we say books but there were writings were on different different types of parchments and different types of of uh, elements i don't i can't even describe some were just kind of written in the air but they they had a cohesiveness and i'd see this and and so i asked one of them what is this and this they said this is where the timing of god is revealed and what he what he said from the beginning and what he's saying in conjunction now is is administered here now that's what i understood him to communicate he didn't say that verbally but a lot of times angels will say things to you that you just know because in heaven you know as you're known and if you're in that realm you have understanding as it's granted to you and so over the course of years you know that's how the chronos and the kairos gate came because that angel said that and that's why we called it that and so <clears throat> but 
really, after all these times and after all these years, I, th I remember one time where well, we were getting ready to go to Africa for the first time, and I was down in the, on the main floor praying in that back corridor and asking God to really help us to do what he wanted us to do in regard to Europe and Africa because we were doing activations in both of those places. And um, God showed me this room that was, and I've talked about this, it was a huge feasting room, big hall, and there was an angel standing there in the room, but the place was empty. Uh, it was beautiful, but it was empty. He, massive table that just went on and on and on. And, and I thought, okay, just in my innocence, I thought, we're going to begin to minister to people who are going to meet with the Lord and us at this table. And that was it. But it was in conjunction with this place. So, and then throughout the years, you know, there'd be different times that we were in there. I remember one time God, uh, back in uh, uh, 2012, God gave a mighty victory over the prince of the power of the air, mighty of, of, of this place that the enemy had constructed as a substation off this place. And there he had all of this monitoring equipment. And he, there was a, a key a key hotspot of the Council of Seven where they would try to impact the principles of God and infuse the wisdom of this world. And they patterned, just like he said in the, in the, the five I wills of Satan, I will be like the Most High. He patterned, why not pattern after God? God had the big thing. It's kind of like, uh, um, you know, restaurants will discover where McDonald's is going to put a restaurant. This is, I read this in Forbes because McDonald's invests a lot in trying to figure out where the best places to put a McDonald's restaurant is so that they, they could make the most money. And restaurants will watch where a McDonald's goes and then, like Burger King was famous for this, they said, why should we invest in this? We'll just go and compete with McDonald's. We'll build near them. And so other restaurants will do that. You see that pattern. So the enemy recognizes, you know, God's already worked this out. We know the flow. Uh, we know how the histemis are, so we're going to build it. But this was off of that. It was a tributary of, of this place. But it was only very recently that God began to show this issue of the thesaurus and how the wisdom and understanding are hidden there. And even the paleos, paleos and kainos uh, are there. And, you know, it, it just makes sense. So you've been praying and operating in that area for a long, long time, and now God is opening his word to show you this. So it's not like, oh, we see this. We better go find that place. That's not the way God works. You know, you're faithful in small things. He makes you ruler over many. He brings promotion. That's what God does. Now, there's going to be initial, an initial usage, but that always comes at a cost to you. You, get, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, God says. And so at some point, you said, God, use me in a deeper way. I'm willing to do what you want. I will give myself. I'll begin to pray. So God shows you. He impacts you with diversities of tongues. He shows you proskuneo. You begin to use that, then he shows you something more. You pray to God in the mysterion. You pray in mysteries, and he gives you understanding, and then he leads you in partnership with him in certain ways. That's just the way God moves. So this business about wisdom in this year of wisdom 
And, and oh, see, God knew all this from the foundation of the world. He knew we'd be here. So only God could orchestrate this. He knew that we would be at this stage in our development of partnering with Him. And so He releases this. There's power in this. There is, there's power in this. And, you know, I, I will say this and then I'm done. We started late, so we're about right on time. Um, this crazy coronavirus, I don't, I don't mean to be pretentious, but with all of the words that God has given about this year, all the prophecies about wisdom, all the breakthrough words, all the ways you and I have fasted with our Saints Network family for what God wants to do, this thing is designed to stop the flow of the wisdom of God in this year to suspend the the impartation teams to suspend those that would go and would come to produce fear in people to cause people to want to shrink back and say oh I can't do it you know and I, I've been taking authority and I know you have over this and I'm binding this thing that there would be a quick resolution of it so that it won't be um, uh, that it won't be that God will turn it to the good. Um, but man, have you ever heard such such fear mongering? I mean, and, I, and we were talking about this today. And any loss of life is terrible. But eleven people have died here in the United States. That's awful. But sixteen thousand have died from the flu since flu season started. So. Now, we hate that too. 16,000, that's an accurate number. So let's see. Everybody's got their hair on fire, about 11 people. 16,000 who have died. You know what I mean? So we've got to take authority over this thing because we're already having folks who say, I, you know, I don't know if I can do this with the saints. I don't know if I can come. I can only do this because of the coronavirus. And I, I don't mean to belittle. I think we need to be wise. But this is a spiritual thing. And we've got we've to believe God to stop it. Because the enemy's coming against us. We've been given this commission from God. This enemy is in the footstool God has given us to rule and reign. We have authority before God. What God said in this year is going to happen. What God said is going to be. We have a role to play. We will not be deterred. And this thing is not going to stand in the way. It's got to stop. Amen? So anyway, I bless this, whatever this was, this teaching. And I bless you. And I pray that somehow this will minister life to your walk in God. And so, Heavenly Father, don't let anybody be confused over this. Give them wisdom. And give them insight. Uh, and uh, help us to continue to grow in you. We thank you for it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Thanks for being here. God bless.